Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. And as always, it's Aaron, Dave, and Fredo here to talk more Star Wars goodness. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, Thanksgiving was good. Hey. Same. Yeah. We're doing good on this end. And y'all didn't see the behind the scenes. I've been swearing for the last about 15 minutes with uh, technical problems. but Matanti. So hopefully we've got that figured out. And I didn't drink all of my beer, but, uh, and also another good news. Hey, we've, we, the saints, uh, got a victory playing against somebody who's never played quarterback for, except for when he was in college, you know? Um, yeah. So that was a uh, kind of an interesting game, huh? Those, those games always make you nervous. Cause you're like, you really, really don't want to lose a game like that. Well, and the way it started, it started out kind of weird because they were like 0-0 for most of the first quarter, the second quarter, and then it's like, you know, it took them making a mistake for us to end up scoring the first touchdown, but it always, never, it always felt like the kind of game where we were either going to score 30 points or we were not going to score any and they were going to score a fluky thing and then just beat us at the end. I, to- I totally expected this guy to, like, get his Hall of Fame you know, game. That's just, that's just the way things roll for us. So, Hey, but a win, a win is a win. Um, and, uh, so on to the Falcon, it's Falcons hate week. So, um, so yeah, by the way, by the way, apparently if we win this week and the bears lose to Detroit, we officially clinch a playoff spot. Right on. There you go. Way to jinx things, Fredo. Well, that's the problem. (laughs) The problem is you're counting on the lions to do something good for (laughs) it. Which I'll be honest, you know, I can count, you know, I will not be counting those chickens anytime soon. Well, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into some Star Wars stuff. Let's uh, warm up our brains. It is trivia time, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and as always, I have the the Trivial Pursuit DVD Star Wars Saga Edition, and it's the first question I look at that gets asked to one of these two guys. And so I'm going to start with Dave and. Uh, what device is Darth Vader's flagship poised to use against the Falcon in the skies above Cloud City? A tractor beam. I was going to say, that's a really long question. Did you fall, nod off as I was reading that? Yes, it is yeah, a tractor yeah, a beam. Bit. Yeah. And how did, uh, how did Admiral Piet not die? He must have had something in his contract. You know, I mean, or, you know, the actor, Ken Connolly, he must have had it in his contract that he had to make it all the way through you know, Jedi. Well, I guess well, I mean, he died, died in Jedi though. So, well, yeah, that. but I mean, Admiral Ozzel was choked just for, you know, <laughs> coming out of hyperspace, hyperspace too quickly, but oh, well, I digress. I think, it, I think it's an effective scene though at the end where P, he doesn't choke Piet because it shows just how disappointed he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was chucked it up more along the lines of, you know, he's got, you know, Vader's got bigger things on his mind and I'll choke him tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, choking, no choking today, choke tomorrow. All right. Well, Fredo, here's yours. First one I look at. Who deliberately turns away from the rebel rendezvous point after Hoth's evacuation? Oh, that would be... Well, there's two answers to that question. You know, okay, well, he said deliberately, so I'll go with Luke Skywalker. It is Luke Skywalker. Who would have your first answer have been? The Millennium Falcon. Because they don't go to the rendezvous point either. But, of course, they're not deliberately. They're being chased. So. I was going to say, that's that's where they're heading, right? Right, right. But they, uh, they're they trying to get away first. So 
they didn't deliberately go to the rendezvous point. All right. Well, my question, like I said, the first one I looked at, we're all Empire Strikes Back tonight. Uh, what associate does Luke levitate while learning to use the Force? That would be R2-D2. Ding, 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 ding. So we're, we're three for three tonight, all Empire Strikes Back. So that's got to be some good karma there. We're um, on our A game. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, all right. Well, let's move on. To, we that we don't have a lot of news. This is just a uh, just yeah. kind of a. It's it's a sad. It's it was a sad day the other day. Um, yeah, it's only one really one bit of news that really we need to discuss, and that's the uh, unfortunate passing of David Prowse uh, on November twenty eighth. So, right around you know, was it Thanksgiving Day or? Uh, Trying to make sure I corrected. Yeah, it was actually the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Uh, his agent came out and confirmed that he had passed away at age 85. Now, his daughter states that it's complications related to COVID, uh, but uh, an official uh, statement hasn't been released as to the cause of death. Um, I saw so that Jessica he had, had been, I'm sorry to interrupt. I saw that he no, no. had, they had also announced that he had been um, dealing with prostate cancer. Yeah. Which uh, I think they kind of indicated that he had been having a lot of medical issues impacting him over the last few years, even because he was still active in the convention and circuit and the convention circuit, doing the rounds, seeing fans, signing stuff. Uh, but I think some of those commitments were beginning to take a toll on his health, and he was pulling back and back. And then, uh, but just kind of give you a brief, brief overview. I mean, David Browse, uh, Prowse was born in Bristol. Started his life as a bodybuilder uh, and weightlifter before he moved to move into movies in 1956. Uh, has over 74 film credits to his name, including the likes of the Beverly Hillbillies, the original, the TV show The Saint, Doctor Who, A Clockwork Orange. I don't know how many people remember he was in A Clockwork Orange. Uh, he was Frankenstein for, uh, for a while for the Hammer Horror Pictures, and he was in Space 1999 all before Star Wars. So he already had a good, like a good 30 or 40 credits to his name before he uh, got cast into, well, he got given the choice. And this is something I did not know. David Prowse was given the choice to play Chewbacca or Darth Vader. And he smartly chose Darth Vader, which of course he was expecting that he would be the full performance. His, um, he didn't find out that his voice wasn't being used until the premiere of A New Hope at the point Star Wars, but I think that was a bone of contention between him and George Lucas for a while. But Money Pen fixes everything. Yeah. yeah he, oh, go ahead, he Dave. Got, oh, yeah, I was just going to say, this is um, <laughs> kind of a crappy thing to speak to when we're talking about his legacy, but I just remember always one of the, my first memories of a Star Wars like beef or battle uh, was uh, David's objection to not getting to play vader maskless in return of the jedi um after he previously had his voice dubbed over which i think we all agree was probably the right choice we've all heard that audio um which strong (laughs) english accent yeah right right coming through and it just it just didn't work at all for the part and george was wise to to change it but um you know one of the things you mentioned fredo in chat was just like how you can't minimize his contribution to that character yeah. because 
the the body movements were such a big part of it too i mean just think about the new hope and how much first of all there's very little dialogue from him a lot of you know, a good portion of that performance is just the physical body performance him from the very first moment you see him striding into the tent of four through him piloting uh, his tie interceptor um those kind of you know he was always like the he's just his striding his stride from one place to another he always moved with purpose he always looked like the guy in charge of the room even who was standing behind moth tarkin and that only got bigger and bigger as the role of vader grew in empire and jedi so um yeah it's amazing how much of vader's presence is given by his size and by the physical performance of david prowse so uh first of all i'm incredibly fortunate that i have a couple things signed by him i got a couple at star wars celebration two um mm -hmm. in indianapolis um i had him sign a darth vader figure and then i got a, a picture um that was signed as well he's a very nice guy and um and it, it is just one of those things it's just those autographs mean so much, but I can't imagine this. A friend of mine who's in the 501st here in New Orleans um, has Darth Vader costume, and he actually had a conversation. First of all, David Prowse looked at his at his costume and said, "Impressive." And then you know, um, then they had a conversation about just the wearing of the costume, um, and you know, it's just that's why some of these cons. As much, I haven't gone to enough just to be able to have those brief conversations. And I was looking through some, some pictures. I, you know, I got to have a brief conversation with Billy D Williams and with, um, you know, with other actors and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's like I said, I'm just so fortunate to have those couple things signed and be able to have interacted with him even just for a second. He's, like I said, he's very gentle, very, very cool. Um, so, but I remember he, I think he used to sign things. Dave Prowse is Darth Vader. That's when he was, uh, like I said, there was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a bumping of the heads with, you know, Lucasfilm for a while. But, uh, and Lucasfilm had a very nice um, tribute to him on social media the other day as well. So, so uh, before we move away, I just want to mention that I don't know if people know that he was knighted in 2000. Uh, back in the 70s, before he became Darth Vader, uh, David Prowse had been cast as the Green Cross Code Man, which uh, was there was a campaign in the UK to promote road safety for children. And he had a costume and everything, of course, taking advantage of his size. So it ran for from 1971 to 1990. And then uh, in the year 2000, the Queen knighted him. So it was David Proud, MBE, member of the British Empire. So uh, he, he had a great life and it's it's tough to think that everybody just immediately thinks of his performance as Vader, but the reality is that's how iconic that role is. Yeah, you know, Darth Vader. When you think movie villains, Vader's at the top, and you no know, half of that is him, and the other half is uh, James Lord Jones' voice. And combined, they gave us this role. All I know is that somebody better put uh, Mark Hamill in bubble wrap and take away Harrison Ford's pilot license because it can't. I mean, that picture that's been going around. I mean, that, the original and Anthony Daniels, same thing. You got to stay locked up, dude. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, that's a that's a bitter that's a bitter thing to to start on. But uh, thank you, Dave, for all the uh, the wonderful wonderful memories you've given so many people. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. So do we have anything, any happy news by chance? Anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, all the happy news happened last Friday when everybody, when every, uh, I don't know if you felt the disturbance in the force of millions of Star Wars fans just losing their collective minds the moment they hit play on the new episode of The Mandalorian. That might have been, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, so I'm sorry, you got you got me thinking about something because, all right, I, I'm going to go on a rant. This is Aaron's get off my lawn uh, rant um, because on, on on Friday, I, I remember I sent Dave, uh, <laughs> I sent Dave a text. I said, if, you know, I said, if you watched, you know, if you if you haven't watched the show, stay off Twitter because mm-hmm. you know, and we've we've talked about this before. It's like you know, I I do anyway. I kind of sneak in if I see even like the beginning of the word Mandalorian, I run away, you know, and of course we knew that, I mean, dollars to donuts, Ahsoka was going to be in this episode, but this dude, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to flame him. I'm not going to say is so everybody can add him because I, but uh, here was, here was his tweet. This is a monumental episode of The Mandalorian. Seeing Ahsoka Tano in live hashtag Ahsoka Tano, by the way, in live action just gave me chills. Thank you, Dave Filoni. Rosario Dawson is as amazing as Ahsoka, and she nailed it. We got the name of Baby Yoda in parentheses, Groku or Grogu. Uh, he's he pronounced he spelled it wrong. It's it, no, it is Grogu. Grogu. Yeah, but anyway, Thrawn is still alive, which means Ezra is out there somewhere. So every single spoiler point that is in that episode all these things that we didn't see coming because yeah we knew ahsoka was gonna be it. we didn't know baby yoda's name was gonna be given away we didn't know anything about thrawn you know he puts it all in one day tweet and it's mm-hmm. like this is what i'm so ticked off about is that don't don't and and again when, when i complain about it people are like you know you can mute that stuff on twitter it's like that's not the point have respect for me. it's like uh, uh you know what's you shouldn't the next- have to. You shouldn't right. have to mute it. You know because it's just like, why should I have to take extra steps because you're a jerk face who who just can't keep your mouth shut for a few hours? And, you know? and if you're running a podcast or something like that, you know, don't you don't have to post your stupid reaction show at five a.m. Not saying it's stupid. I'm I'm not going to say the podcast, but there are some podcasts out there that do this, and I listen to them all the time. But you don't have to post it at 5 a.m. So that, like I said, I look at what do we all do when we wake up? We check our email. We kind of flip through Twitter and stuff like that. And there's reaction videos all over the place. It's like just have some just have some self-respect, you know? I, you know, and I'm okay with 5 a.m. You know, people who watch it at 3 in the morning, you know, go go crazy with it. Post your reaction video. But don't, don't put spoilers in your headline or in your copy or in any tweets that you put out, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, there is a way to guide people, whether you're doing a podcast or a reaction video or whatever, to say, look, Mandalorian, uh, chapter 13, the Jedi reaction, click here. And it'll take you, whether it's your blog, your vlog, your website, wherever. And that's all that it takes. If anybody's interested in learning more, 
they click the link. You know, and I loading it up right there where you have no choice because your eyes will dart to it. It's impossible for your eyes to not go the Mandalorian name before you realize what you're reading. You've read it. So I think you have to have at least at least 24 hours. Give people at least a chance. So you know, I get it a little bit because you know, Dave, you're a journalist. You know, um, I I wrote a blog where we were, you know, for for a former job where we were, you know, announcing you know new Google releases, and one of our things we were trying to do was trying to scoop this other person. It seems like this other blog was always posting things first. So I was always trying to scoop this person. I get it. You know, it's because you're trying to drum up business and especially, you know, your YouTube channel, if you're monetizing it and things like that. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Joe Biden, first, first bit of legislation after COVID relief is got to be, you know, a 24 hour moratorium on Star Wars posts when the new episode of Mandalorian comes out. All right, just call your senators now. Uh, <laughs> it just it just drives me crazy, you know. Um, so luckily, Dave, you didn't get spoiled. But that one tweet, if you just went to the trending, that one tweet, and he hashtagged everything too. It's, you know, uh, and then that's and then what 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 really gets me is that's on purpose. That's not by accident. It's not a look, you know. As a fan, and we're all fans, and you always start off as a fan. It's you're excited, so you want to share what you're, you know, excited with others. But when you start putting all those hashtags, that's social media management. That's I want to drive page eyeballs and page views to my work. So therefore, I'm gonna include every hashtag. I'm gonna put everything up front so that everybody can see it. And you know what happens? Twitter kicks that to the top of the uh, top, you know, tweets on that on that topic, and then it becomes impossible to ignore. Well, it's it's like watching a, ma- a magician and the guy next to you says, I know how he does it. And then just tells you how the trick right. it's like, let me live in. You know, OK, so I will mention this podcast. I've mentioned him before. Star Wars Underworld podcast. Dominic Jones, who's uh, one of the hosts on there, he said something. I just think this is a really good practice. He says, when everybody, whenever I see somebody say, hey, have you seen the new episode of The Mandalorian? What'd you think? He says, I always say, that's all right. You know, he just kind of gives a just a B flat, you know, yeah, it's all right, because he doesn't want to be the oh, my gosh, it was over the moon. Blah, blah, blah. And so then somebody goes in with their expectations jacked and then they're they don't find it as great. And they come back at him like, what the heck? That was bad. Or he says that was awful and then ruins somebody's experience. He just says yeah, it's all right, because he doesn't want to ruin their natural reaction to the show. <laughs> So. And I think, and I think that that's important, Aaron, because and for this for this episode particularly, because if you're a Star Wars fan who grew up with the Clone Wars show and Rebels, this episode was basically a love letter for you, because you're getting the, the heft of everything outside of Baby Yoda's name, the core element that you came to see were built there, so. I, I'm interested in finding out how somebody like, say, like Brittany, your wife, who did not see much any of the Clone Wars, or how she connected beyond uh, uh, with the character of Ahsoka, because she's not coming out from that standpoint. So if you were to tell somebody, oh, this is the greatest episode ever, but they don't have that connection to the character of Ahsoka yeah. through her previous roles and previous stories, they may go and say, well, that's all right, but you know, I don't know what the big deal is. Whereas anybody who saw them or grew up, even bigger, grew up with Clone Wars and Rebel Rebels, they're looking at this episode like, 
their minds are exploding with everything they're getting. So, all right. So that you mentioned that, and I'm sorry, we'll get to the meat of this here in a second, but because my brother is watching the Mandalorian, you know, Brian was on the show earlier in our, uh, last year. And, um, he hasn't seen any of the clone wars or rebels. And so this is, he sent me a text just out of the blue said, totally fine with the Jedi episode of Mando, except that when they talked about training, it was like bad PTSD from the prequels, since when is fraternity, loyalty, and devotion inseparable barriers to service? Lucas needs to stop looking at samurai as a model and look instead to, say, Texas Rangers. And whether they train him or not, don't they have any sense of responsibility to him? Bad Jedi. You know, he's kind of, he's, he's being kind of, you know, snarky a little bit, but that, that he was just taken aback by the way, you know, this all played out. And I said, well, how much of, do you know about Ahsoka's story? He said, well, I know she was Anakin's Padawan. And I said, well, she also left the Jedi Order after Council Fossilly accused her of treason. I think, one, the Jedi was not the titled the Jedi. And we'll talk about this later. I don't think it's about Ahsoka. That's number one. Two, um, her not wanting to train Grogu was had more to do with her not wanting to make choices for a child like was made for her. She doesn't believe in that structure anymore. He says, got it. You told me to watch the Clone Wars, <laughs> so you know it's a uh, you know it is one of those things. Where, so that was his reaction. Then when I talked to him about Ahsoka's backstory, it, you know it does change things. So this is we're getting kind of the point where you kind of have to do a little bit yeah. of the homework, you know. Um, oh, by the way, did he mean the no, the Texas Rangers of Nolan Ryan? So I don't know. I didn't I didn't ask him that. I don't know if we're talking about the Cowboys or the uh, you know yeah or the baseball team, but. Yeah. Well, okay. but even if you even if you take some of that backstory out of the equation, as far as understanding who Ahsoka is, is it like and getting a better understanding of her, um, that fall, that story of Anakin's fall, is a lot more effective in the wake of Clone Wars. And so, like even on that level, um, it's beneficial to have watched the series because, like, he may not have had that reaction of, oh, God, we're going back down this Anakin attachment stuff, um, whereas we saw it, and, and, and it, oof, it, it, does hit, it does hit harder if you've watched Clone Wars, I think. Yeah, well, and I, okay, so I tell you what, we'll, we'll pause for a second, and we'll just do, a, a, like, a brief recap um, and then uh, we'll get into our talking points because obviously we're talking about the latest episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 13, The Jedi. And uh, it, so it starts off on the flat, uh, the forest planet of Corvus. And right out the gate, there's Ahsoka, a whomping and a whooping with her two, you know, white lightsabers. What, um, what were you going to say, Dave? I was just going to say, we didn't have to wait at all. Not at all. I mean, that again, <laughs> which I think, once which I think again, took everybody my, by surprise. Well, yeah, yeah once, once again, my comment when Brittany and I were watching, I said, oh, I guess we're I guess we're going there right now. Okay. Sorry, Fredo, go ahead. You know, I said, I think that took everybody by surprise, but I think that was actually the smart choice. Because so, if you, you've instead of building up to it, it's like, nope, here we go. Let's do that. You came here to see this. Let's roll. So Ahsoka confronts um, the imperial magistrate morgan elsbeth um ruler of the city that they're at and um michael bean is uh there by her side kind of a hired gun and ahsoka says she wants some information and um 
wants to her, wants to know where master's location is the elsbeth's master where where is he and um so the following the next then we see uh the mandalorian and the child arrive land on corvus and he goes to the city and uh, he uh ends up being taken straight to the the magistrate who says uh hey i'll give you this beskar spear in exchange for killing the jedi and so he says where do i go find it and uh you know John Kreese says, go this way. Or, <laughs> um, and so he goes out and uh, ends up. Uh, Kyle get, Reese, you meant? Kyle Reese. Yes, thank you. Um, and uh, he says, uh, well, anyway, so he goes out into the into the forest and uh, Ahsoka jumps him and they a little fight ensues. And then he says, whoa, hey, whoa, Ahsoka Tano, uh, Bo-Katan sent me. And then she sees uh, the child and kind of ends up having a little bit of a, I suppose, a, they, they end up communicating and getting a, the baby's, uh, baby Yoda's backstory. Um, and uh, we, well, we'll get into it a little bit here, but we, we learned that the child's name is Grogu. And, uh, but Ahsoka says, I'm not going to train him. And, but then there's a, here, it's kind of a theme in, in the Mandalorian right now is like, all right, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll think about it if you help me or actually the Mandalorian says, Hey, I'll help you with your deal here in the city. If, uh, you agree to train Grogu. So anyway, so they go into the city and Ahsoka and the Mandalorian, uh, end up taking care of business. We end up getting a, um, a duel between Ahsoka and the magistrate. Uh, and we also have a kind of a standoff in the city street between um, Lang, Michael Bean's character, and um, the Mandalorian. And they end up winning, saving the day. And the nice old man is made magistrate. And um, But still, Ahsoka says, nope, not going to train. But in the midst of that fight, she says, I want to know where Grand Admiral Thrawn is. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So um, anyway, so she says, "Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to train the baby, but um, if you go to this planet, uh, Tython, 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 yeah, go to Tython. There's a temple there. Put him on the seeing stone, and he'll reach out in the force, and he'll decide." And so we're off on another little journey. So that's yeah, a, a kind of a lame recap, but that's that's kind of what happened. Um, so first of all, let's, uh, let's go ahead and just dive right. Cause we already talked a little bit about it, but Ahsoka, uh, we knew the, the character was coming. We had our guess that it was Rosario Dawson. Yes, it was, um, Rosario Dawson. Um, I guess what, what did we, let's just, let's just talk about the, the, the casting and the portrayal. Cause this is a, this is a very big star Wars character from, from rebels in the clone wars so an animated character brought to life um which means there's a lot of emotional connections from fans um so dave where where what do you think like i said from the casting to the portrayal well i'll launch into a little bit of a spiel here uh so please uh forgive me for that but i'll get it out of my system so well, that because it was, it was the casting was controversial 
Yes. To, to, say, um, to put it lightly. Yeah. Um, so just to give everybody, all of our listeners, a framework, um, we're, you know, the Who Dad Jedi podcast, when we started this thing, we, we wanted it to be a very welcoming place. Uh, we prided ourselves on our inclusivity. Um, so we actively work to make this a safe space for people, not only for people of all kinds of backgrounds and identities, but also varying uh, opinions. Sometimes those opinions are heated. Um, but, you know, behind the scenes, we often engage in conversations to try to engender that. We, want, we, we talk about what, what should we address? Should we look should we touch on this uh, controversy? Should we not? Um, we usually default to a position of neutrality. Um, we want to respect uh, people coming from all different viewpoints. Um, any viewpoint, essentially, that is not about spreading hatred or intolerance will be valued here on our, on our podcast. And any individual who ad adheres to that standard regardless of their beliefs or background is to be respected and welcomed as well. Um, and so I did want to speak to the casting because um, New Orleans is a very diverse community and obviously we're based in New Orleans. Uh, we think it's a really special place and part of what makes it special is the diversity. Um, and, and because of that diversity, which includes a large trans population uh i personally felt it was necessary to speak bref briefly to the controversy surrounding rosario dawson um being cast in in this beloved role um i will say very simply and very quickly that we acknowledge the pain that this casting may have caused a segment of the star wars fan base and I believe that if you were hurt, personally hurt by the casting, your feelings have validity. It's not something to be ignored or spun away from. Um, and I think that at the, at the end of the day, we, we all hope that some healing can come from that pain because we know that there are members of the fan base who were hurt initially when this casting happened. Um, so on our end, we hope that some healing can come, regardless of you know what form that might take. You know, maybe more inclusivity on Lucasfilm's part as we move forward. Going, you know, uh, that's always a good thing, and we've talked about that a lot on this show. Um, what we ca we cannot do is impeach the character of Rosario Dawson in this space be because so little is known about what may or may not have occurred. We know that many of the accusations that had been originally lofted towards her have been rescinded at this point. Um, so we feel that signal boosting a narrative about her being intolerant would be irresponsible. Um, and more problematically, it wouldn't be inclusive either. Um, so I, uh, toward that end, we'll continue on our show to strive to be a place of discussion and listening. We may not always agree, uh, even about our love of Star Wars, but we can still listen to one another and learn and grow. And to me, that's what the Who Dat Jedi podcast is all about. And I, I will just add to this again. I'm taking it, it was great. Uh, Star Wars Underworld podcast is 
promoting this as well. Um, and I, so here's one way you can, um, uh, you know, make the world a little bit better place. Um, and that's, uh, if you go to GoFundMe, there's a, and search for trans rights or human rights. This is the way it was, uh, after, uh, there was a controversy with, um, um, Gina Carano. Um, we talked about it on the podcast, you know, a few months ago. Um, some people just started a GoFundMe and, um, last I checked it is for again, trans rights or human rights. This is the way, um, and they've raised over $17,000. So, um, so that's one way that you can, you know, make, you know, just like I said, make the world a better place. So, um, so yeah. Um, all right. Well, now, Beyond now, that. All, now all that being, <laughs> all that being said, um, just real quick, just go around the horn here. Um, how did, how did, uh, how do we feel about, uh, Rosario Dawson and how she pulled off Ahsoka? I'll let you no. go first, Fredo. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's, uh, it was good. I, I appreciated what she was doing. And I think as this was probably the first instance and it's interesting because I think the only other person and really even, even him uh, who has ever been put in this spot was Alden Ehrenreich in portraying Han Solo, the new version of Han Solo. Because realistically, I mean, through all of Star Wars, whether it's the movies, any video game, whatever, we really have not had actors taking from one, you know, cast in a, a role that already existed in another medium. This was probably the first one I think that I can think of where we've taken a character that existed from the digital animated medium and brought him to live action. Uh, maybe, well, maybe Thrawn because he went from the printed page to, to animation, the other one. But the idea of bringing uh, Ahsoka, while exciting, must also have been quite, I mean, quite scary for her, for Dave Filoni, for John Favreau, because like I was, uh, we're saying, we're saying they, you know, there's such a back catalog of history that fans of this character have with her. Not, not I mean, like I was, uh, I don't know if you know, saying earlier, there's this whole generation of fans who grew up with Ahsoka through the Clone Wars, through Rebels. So to see her finally come to life. I imagine it was a lot, and I think for the most part she nails it. It's it's a different Ahsoka than the one we see in Clone Wars, than the one we see in maybe not as much as we see in Rebels. But what's interesting is that she plays her as somebody who is has gone through the gauntlet, has gone through a lot of darkness, and is still doing the right thing, and still being living to the ideals of what a Jedi is, even if she's not a Jedi per se. Uh, so in terms of her performance both in terms of physically how she act, how she looked and how she acted, how she moved, how she tried to sound. Like I noticed particularly at the start, I was very paying attention to how she voiced her lines to see if she, I mean, she's not gonna sound like Ashley Eckstein, there's no way, but to see if she followed the same rhythm and cadence that Ashley Eckstein put into adult Ahsoka and Rebels. Cause she has a specific way of speaking as adult Ahsoka that shifted from young Ahsoka from Clone Wars, even Clone Wars season seven. You know, she's she was slowly getting there by the time of the, the finale of Clone Wars. But, uh, you know, 
Rosario picked that up and started was using it. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for no. I enjoyed seeing her in live action. It was great to see her, and uh, I was glad that they, they were able to bring her into the story. Dave, what'd you think? Two things threw me: um, the voice, which you mentioned. Um, you know, obviously, it doesn't line up. Um, I'm really curious if they gave any consideration to bringing Ashley in to voice the character that Rosaria plays in live action, because that's very some would be a similar approach to what we were just talking about with David Prowse and with um, with Din Jaren. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, we know at this point that Pedro Pascal hasn't played Din Jaren in every scene that he's been in. Um, so they could have gone that route. Um, I, you know, I don't know whether it would have been a good idea or not, but uh, the voice throw me. Um, the other thing that I noticed was the way that she carried herself. She had kind of an attitude. It was almost a cockiness about her. And you could see that in like her physical movements. Um, and I'm that kind of threw me at first, but I think like reading some of the comments from Dave Filoni after the fact, um, I can, I can understand that that was intentional. They wanted her to be in a very different space than she was in um, at the end of Rebels. Yeah, and uh, part of me may, may not, I'm sorry to cut across that, Aaron, but part of me may, you know, as I was hearing that cockiness, I was like, yep, there's that bit of Anakin in her still. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so first of all, I'm with you, Fredo, that I was, the thing that I was listening for was the cadence and kind of the inflections. Um, and that was, that was well done. Um, and reading an article, um, she, you know, Rosario Dawson studied, you know, Ashley Eckstein's performances and was really trying to focus in on exactly that. And I think that was well paid off. Now to the, to your point, Dave, about the voice, you know, my only, because I've, I've a lot of people, it's funny, and maybe we'll talk about this in a later episode or later in this episode, but to, we have a hard time as Star Wars fans uh, disassociating the actor with the role. And mm -hmm. now it is different that if it's like, you know, old Han Solo and young Han Solo, okay, I can, I, we all gave, we could go with that with, you know, Alden Ehrenreich, but I, I said that if they went, if, they do anything in between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens without Harrison Ford. Uh, I'm, I'm not in on that. That's just not going to work for me. Now, going from animation to live action, you got some room to play. And here's the other thing that I think about with the voice um, is that my voice doesn't sound the same when I was in high school versus when I was in college versus when I started teaching to now at the age of 47 our voices change, you know, and actually I moved to New Orleans. So I pick up a lot of different mannerisms and colloquialisms and things like that. And my pattern changes a little bit instead of saying Lafayette, Lafayette, like I used to say when I lived in Indiana, you know, I say something different now, you know, so, um, so there's, there's that, you know, I, I think I'm okay with that. Now, the other thing that I've heard people like really, not really, well, not really complain about, they was kind of complaining. They were like, I just, all I could see was Rosario Dawson. 
You know, mm. it's like, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it's, I'll, I'm sorry. Whenever I watch, you know, Indiana Jones, it's like, hey, it's Han Solo. Or whenever I watch Star Wars, it's, hey, it's Indiana Jones. It's Harrison Ford. And he looks like Harrison Ford. Or anything, you know, the only time that I've ever kind of gotten, I, I can't believe that that's that character was um, Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> it yeah. took me three quarters of the movie until I figured out that was Tom Cruise. I was like, who is this guy? And, and it was, I was just lost. Or Johnny Depp in um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Otherwise, guess what, folks? Those are actors and they're going to look like themselves and they're going, you know, so, you know, so people who are, I don't know what, the, I don't know what their expectations were, but it's like, yeah, well, it's because it's Rosario Dawson. That's why she looks like Rosario Dawson. Um, the other thing that um, I, I, I've seen uh, critiqued was that her head tails aren't the same length as what they had in, um, Rebel. in Rebels. And, Okay, so there's two things. One was, first of all, the practicalness of it was one of the uh, people on The Mandalorian said we, we couldn't have him that long because of the fighting and everything like that. It just wasn't practical. Okay, so, and who knows, maybe they, maybe they grow shorter at some point. I don't know. Who knows? But the other, the other aspect of it is this is that I remember what Dave Filoni was talking about, the dark saber. He's when in the, in the gallery, he said, you know, let's remember that it's like, this is real life and the clone wars and rebels. That's like an artist depiction of, you know, what the dark saber is like. So Ahsoka in rebels and clone wars is an artist description. It's a caricature of the real person. So if somebody was to draw you, Dave, or draw you, Fredo, or draw me, you know, we're going, it's not going to look like somebody just snapped a picture. So again, I think there's, I don't, again, I don't know what people were expecting or wanting, but it's like, you're not going to get Ashley Eckstein's voice looking exactly like Ahsoka from rebels. So, um, but that being said, I thought, you know, I thought the way she carried herself, I thought, um, the best moment was when the, the first fight between her and Mando, and, um, and then when that came to a stop and she said, he goes, I need to talk to you. And he goes, she says, I hope it's about him. That was yeah. a total Ahsoka moment. That's when I was in like Flynn, you know, because it was just that easy, easy breezy type of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Is um, so yeah, no, I thought, uh, I, I thought it was really well done. That was really well done. I liked uh, other favorite moments. I liked when she was uh, teaching um, the child and by extension teaching Mando himself. <laughs> and she's like, you know, this that would be a first. And she's like, I like firsts, you know, and like this that little was, teacher's that moment. Ahsoka, that was an Ahsoka moment as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it showed growth. I mean, it really did. It's like when you talk about like, oh, man, sure. She's carrying herself more assertively. Well, of course she is. She's got all of these years of experience of surviving on her own and helping other people. And this is the role that she's taken on at this point, which is very in character for her, which is I'm going to continue to help people. That is what I care about. That is what I'm passionate about. I'm going to do this. Um, so she would naturally take on kind of a teacher's role 
in that context because she's going to encounter people on her journeys who need her help. And this is where I would plug the Ahsoka novel for anybody who hasn't read it yet. You can kind of see some hints of that in there. Um, She's very assertive in that context because she's dealing with quote unquote normal people (laughs) and she's a Jedi. Um, And, you know, I, you know, y'all should listen to me because, you know, that's how we're going to survive that kind of thing. Um, I, you know, the other thing I would plug to here, is, uh, I'll go ahead and say this, the Vanity Fair article um, yeah. that we, we all read, um, this is required reading, in my opinion, for anybody who's like curious about the making of this show. Are we going to post uh, it in the show notes? <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely will. I have every intention. If I forget, I, I, I apologize. But um, I want to I read at least one quote from this article because it was so good. Um, talking about her rejection of the Jedi path. And it, like we talked about the title, right, of this episode, The Jedi. And Aaron, you hinted you think it's not about her. Um, but I think it's really interesting because of her rejection of the Jedi path. And a lot of people got hung up on that, which is like, well, she's not a Jedi. She said she's not a Jedi. But from a certain point of view, she's kind of more of a Jedi. And this is what Fil- this is what Filoni said. I would argue in some ways by being so selfless and rejecting a lot of paths that would have given her power. She's more Jedi-like than even some characters who claim to be Jedi. And I I think that's so important because she's made this conscious choice to be like this wandering warrior um, who's doing good in the universe. Um, But, but, more specifically down on the ground level in a more micro way than in a more galaxy dominating way. And I just, I think that just really cuts to the heart of who her character always has been and continues to be and why she appeals to so many people. So um, getting back to the betrayal, I will say this is that um the opposite of like I said, when I've, I said, when I got lost, I didn't realize it was Tom Cruise being, you know, in Tropic Thunder or, um, you know, Johnny Depp. If you've seen one Vince Vaughn movie, you've seen them all. If you've mm-hmm. seen one Owen Wilson movie, you've seen them all. They play the same character in every movie. And so if I would have gotten into this episode and just seen Becky from, you know, Clerks 2 or anything else that Rosario Dawson was in, I would have been like, Ugh. but neither neither my wife or I even had one bit of like that and we're going to be the first ones to call those things out now to the title I do want to talk about that for a second because I want to say what I'm what I'm talking about here and this is another one of my get off my lawn moments here is that I want Star Wars fans to quit being C to D students in English English class (laughs) and it's like because something is titled something that is that that title is not going to be totally on the nose so when they see for example we talked about the bad batch you got a lot of people who are going to be thinking well this is all about the bad batch yay and then it's like ends up being about something else they're going to be mad or star wars rebels this is going to be about the start of the rebellion and it really wasn't and a lot of them got mad or, you know, this is about the Jedi and, oh, there's Ahsoka. She's not a Jedi. It's like, do you th- is there another Jedi in this episode? 
Yes, well, there is. Oh, yes. Grogu. Grogu. And so that I, I want Star Wars fans to be even I might be wrong that that's what they're alluding to that you know Grogu is the Jedi I might be wrong with that but you need to start looking at these I, I we're talking about Mandalorian Bad Batch anything that the rebels all of them are windows and vehicles to take us on this Star Wars journey and to tell a Star Wars story and if you're expecting just a story about a Mandalorian guess what? It's going to be a boring story, you know, because it's like, yeah, so I, I, like I said, I, I think there, I don't know what people are wanting, but quit being that C to D student in English class. Now, well, now I lost it. That's all right. Go ahead. Okay. So, so now I was going to say, actually, I was just going to back you up on that in regards to People tend to tend to you know, read the title "The Jedi" and immediately went, "Oh, this means Ahsoka." But then, no, she said, "I am no Jedi," so they got caught in that the duality of those two statements. The fact that this, this the episode, the chapter title is "The Jedi" because we're finally, as the Mandalorian, the lead character, is getting information about the Jedi. See. He had no idea who the Jedi were. He's finally getting the info dump on who the Jedi were, what the his power, you know, all these powers, his abilities he's got is tied to the force. And here comes Ahsoka giving him this information, educating him on the force, on the history of the Jedi, on what happened to them, why it is that he came to be in his uh, guardianship. So he's, you know, Ahsoka is acting as a conduit of information for our lead character to become aware of the stuff that we as the audience know. So it's not the Jedi meaning her, it means the Jedi is in the totality of the Jedi. So that was that was my other point is that, you know, if I've also been looking, first of all, I will, I'm not going to ever, now after watching these episodes of The Mandalorian, I'm going to wait until all eight episodes are done before I pass judgment on an episode because mm -hmm. everything is leading to something else. There's a bigger story being told here rather than just the whatever 35 minutes we're given. But anyway, each each chapter title I'm almost envisioning this as like, you know, the Mandalorian keeping a journal. And at the top <laughs> of the page, he just wrote the Jedi because that he, that's like you said, when he learned about, you know, oh, I'm going to see the Jedi. Well, I'm not a Jedi. Shut up. Yes, you are. You're, you're a Jedi. You know, that would be his reaction to it. Probably. It's like, yeah, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't bog me down in politics. You're a Jedi. You know, that's what his reaction would be. So that makes sense. But like I said, there's, um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It was um, kind of like uh, you know the client. It's like you know it's I I this is my chap this is my journal entry on when I went to go meet the client. You know, it's just the shorthand that they write at the top of these things. But anyway, I think people are like they're just they're seeing the title and they think that's telling them everything. It's like John Favreau and Dave Filoni are going to be a lot deeper than that, folks. You know. So anyway. Yeah. And just real quick, just to say, think about the two. I mean, there were three big moments in this episode. Two of them had nothing to do with Jedi. Well, one of them did because, but two of them, you know, if you just guessed the title and uh, so uh, who directed it, you still wouldn't have guessed Baby Yoda's name and the revelation at the end uh, as to what Ahsoka's doing because they were nowhere hinted. All right. So let's talk about this since you just brought it up. Um, Baby Yoda has a name. Grogu, and he's, a, did you, he's Greg. 
Did you did you have that on your bingo card for this week? I don't believe so. No. The best thing about it was that it it's you know everybody probably had the exact same experience. It's like you know Ahsoka just says Grogu and I can read each other's thoughts, and everybody went, "But what, what, what did you just what you just say?" You know, you know, it's just, it was just casually dropped. You know, like. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I was, I was talking with Roger Daltrey last night. And then, you know, we went and it's like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. You buried the lead there, you know. Yeah. Um, and that I think that by doing it that way, it made us all go, all right, that's his name. You know, instead of making a big reveal spectacle thing about it, I think more people are accepting of this name because it was just like, Oh, I was talking with Dave and then we went out to go get a few beers. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's Dave. You know what I mean? I don't know. What'd you guys think? Were you turned off by it or was it okay? Or what'd you, I don't know. It's fine. Uh, the good thing about it is they didn't limit themselves to starting it with a Y. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, we get cheap at some point, right? It was like, I think we all made a joke speculating about what it would be when we first started this podcast. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fine. You know what I, where I come down on it is like his background. That's where I find interesting because his backstory uh, was awesome. Yeah. I mean, like we find, we come to find out he was a youngling and that he was a member of the Jedi and trained on he, Coruscant he, in the Jedi temple tra training on Coruscant on, in the temple, presumably sort of present for order 66 or ferried out of there by someone. We don't know. He was Ooh. probably at the snack bar when Anakin came in. <laughs> He's off eating some eggs somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, not only, like, how did he get out of that mess and, and what is there more of a story there? But I'm also really curious, like, what's he been doing for the last 25 years? Because that was, you know, that's the timeline that we're talking about here. He's like 50 years old ish. That mm -hmm. that was about 25 years ago that that um, Order 66 happened ish. And so he was, you know, for the first 25 years or so of his life, he was a member of this, uh, 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 or the Padawans. And, but now he's, his uh, like, now what's he been doing? You know? Well, remember, and I, remember what I said a couple of weeks ago, he's got survival skills. That was my, my joke about when he was, you know, he closed the lid of his, you know, carriage when the, when the Kraken was oh, eating yeah. him. But I mean, now that was confirmed. He's, yeah, that was those 25 years that you're talking about. It's it was survival. It was like, all right, I've got to shut myself down. Yeah. yeah and, it's, and it's interesting. Of course, Dave Filoni, knowing, you know, being a smart uh, writer, uh, says it got dark. And so he he leaves himself enough space to kind of fill in whatever that can mean, meaning he doesn't remember, meaning it could be that he was forced into some dark places meaning he doesn't know kind of what happened next. So uh, in terms of the name, I thought it was fine. Like I said, like a joke, like he's the Greg. That's, that Grogu is Greg in Yoda's people's, uh, um, like Yoda's John, Grogu's Greg, whatever. It's, so I think it's, and again, it's much of this episode, it's everybody's waiting for the big moments, and they're just casually just happening. It's like, oh, we're waiting. It's going to show up. It's going to show up. But that, again, that is... Gro 
that is why the the it is so well done is mm-hmm. that it's exactly. just matter of fact that i mean they're not trying to make a big like i said a big fireworks display reveal of something it's like and next week we'll learn the baby's name dum, dum, dum. you know it's just like I, I, it's grogu you know it's 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 just what it is. Um, however, I do want to say that during this scene, watch the acting of the puppet. Oh my dear lord! So that's yeah, great. Good meme central, meme central, and also, also the music. So when Ahsoka mentions Yoda, she said, "I only known one other, you know, spe- of his species, and that was Master Yoda." And then you get Yoda's theme, dude. I almost started choking up. Because it was like just that little hint of the music. It wasn't much of it. It just blended right into it. And that's that's what Star Wars music is. I've really dug Ludwig's um, you know, scores. I wasn't I was, you know, skeptical going into all this and I, I liked season one, but now it's like like I said, when we're gonna drop in those themes, that's what I want. I don't need everybody to have a brand new theme and everything like this, but when you talk about something familiar that's you know and even though yoda was not on screen we're talking about him so we're going to bring in that light motif it was awesome sorry go ahead he also uh, brought it he brought it back really briefly at the end of the episode too actually throughout the, the entire crest. throughout the entire episode you would get just a just a little snippet of it you wouldn't get the whole yeah. statement you would just get a little snippet that's why i was just it was so good yeah mm-hmm. No, I mean, he, I mean, it, it's a really good way of reminding you of that connection that Ahsoka has. Again, it goes further to establish that this character we're seeing on screen is the same character that we saw on screen for however many years, you know, Clone Wars ran. And that, that Ahsoka had a relationship with Yoda. As a matter of fact, we see her in Rebels communing with Yoda whenever they go to the temple in Lothal. So it would make sense that she, when she speaks of him, she thinks of him fondly. And anytime you reminisce of some character like that, that leitmotif would kick in. And again, because we know they, again, we as the audience know that they have a, a relationship. Then Jared doesn't. So so here's the, here's the other thing. Now with talking, just conclude this with Grogu's name. Mm-hmm. Now that he has a name, splitting up from him is going to be even more difficult mm-hmm. because I've always, okay, so I'm really sorry. I'm going to go down this path, but I've said, mm-hmm. I need to believe that the steaks that I put on the grill, they just came from the grocery store. I don't need the whole farm to table, you know, lesson plan. I don't need to know. I, if I am glad I didn't, wasn't raised on a farm and I have nothing against people who were raised on a farm or anything like that, or, people who can deal with this, if I can put a face to my steak or a face to my chicken, or if I was to put a name to a dog that I was going to have to give up, you know, uh, that, you know, or it's, it's far easier that if when you're in a, um, anyway, but now that we've, we've built that personal connection, now they know their names, you know, that's yeah. going to be much difficult to break that bond. And I think that is why that's what Ahsoka recognizes. And I think she lays a bunch of just the easy answer of his fear makes him vulnerable, not 
dude, you two love each other and you just need to be BJ and the bear and that's it. Just, yeah. just be a team, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say right quick, because you saw the moment that he pulls out two things. One, you know, Grogu drops the stone. He's not interested in the stone. Din knows that he's interested in the little uh, ball at the, uh, in his lever, the little metallic ball. So he, there, he's already built enough of a re- relationship and to know something he likes, like Grogu likes. And the moment Grogu sees it and, and uses the freaks out with the force to take it, what's Din's reaction? It's not a, well, there you go, you see. it's He's very proud yeah. of yeah. Grogu doing it. He's very much uh, having a dad reaction to his kid doing something awesome. So Ahsoka is 100% right to tell him at that moment, dude, this is not going to work. Right? You can't just leave your kid with me and go off. It's not going to happen. You're not going to feel okay with it. He's not going to feel okay with it, meaning Grogu. And this is not going to go anywhere but bad. And I have a feeling that Grogu was telling her, I don't want to. Anyway, Dave, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that, that that moment with the gear shift knob was foreshadowed like, early in the episode. Like the kid grabs it and they leave the ship and he's like, I, I told you not about not to pull this knob out. And I love that because like it's a little, little hint of foreshadowing where you're like, oh, that's going to matter later. Um, I wonder how that's going to play out. And it, and they kind of turned it on its head and it became a nice moment, not something, you know, that put them in harm's way, but rather this is how the two of them are connecting. And it's, it's a great callback to obviously previous episodes where that had been the case. And I love that. Um, I loved Ahsoka's monologue as well. Um, where she talks about what, you know, I've seen what can happen, you know, because it just hints it so much with Anakin, obviously. Um, but even if you hadn't watched it any plays. of that, yeah. I think it works. I think it really works. Now, Dave, you talked about foreshadowing. So I want to, I want to move us on to this because there's a lot other foreshadowing going on in this episode. One, Hey, I'll give you this spear made of Beskar if you take care of, you know, this Jedi, see this nifty spear. Do you know what it's made of? Oh, it's made of Beskar. Okay. Well, it's yours. So, I mean, it was a big deal made out of that, which then he ends up getting the spear at the end. We also, in the first fight with, uh, well, the fight with Ahsoka and, and Mando, when they first meet, we learn that Beskar is resistant to lightsabers. Okay. Kids. What can we make of these two instances? What's going to be the payoff in these last somewhere in these last three episodes? Mando's got a spear made of Beskar. Who's got a lightsaber running around there somewhere? A dark saber, you mean? Or a dark saber? A dark saber. <laughs> See, I mean, it, the, if we're going to here. I was thinking we we're going to see, you know, Ahsoka fighting Gideon. For the dark saber, I, obviously we're going. To, it's going to be Mando and Gideon, and it's going to be the Mandalorian spear versus the Mandalorian lightsaber. Mm-hmm. He he needed a weapon to be able to do that, so it, it is kind of a plot device. Um, I also wouldn't discount the possibility that that spear might have um, other wandering eyes attached to it um namely one uh, 
uh, Boba Fett living out in the desert, uh, in addition to that armor that uh, that uh, Mando has right now. He might take a liking to that spear or some of his other equipment as well. But uh, uh, yeah, I think we're definitely headed towards a a spear versus saber duel part two. Well, what's interesting to me is this is now the fourth of, of five episodes we've seen so far where they've made a big deal out of Beskar. Mm-hmm. From the first season, from the first scene of this season, we have been making a big deal about about Mando's Beskar armor, about the value of Beskar steel, about so many people chasing after Beskar. Why? Are those Why dark? Are happening? those dark troopers made of Beskar? You think? Maybe. Well, somebody's got somebody's got to be chasing for it and paying a high price to get it in order to, uh, you know, you know, for some reason, because it's not just. What's interesting, it's not just uh, the Mandalorian, because you would think, okay, it'd be one thing if it's just the Mandalorian covert looking to reclaim the best car. Okay, that'd be one thing. But, you know, you whether it was the Quarrens on the water world where uh, the Bo-Katan came to his rescue, whether it was the gangsters in the Gamorrean Fight Club, you know, and now, you know, the uh, the Manchester with the pure best car uh, sphere, you know, there's all these characters talking about the price and the value of Beskar around the galaxy. So it leads me to question what's going on that who's who's floating it out there that Beskar steel is so valuable that they're willing to pay whatever it takes to get it. By the way, and that leads to only so many answers. The magistrate, are we led to believe that is she just thrown in jail somewhere or is she she dead? I don't think she will. You know, in Star Wars, unless you see a body, they're not dead. So I don't know. That's neither here nor there. Um, we'll probably find out eventually at some point. Um, but uh, all right. So I'm going to skip ahead just for a second because talking about finding out something at some point, Thrawn, talk about a name drop. Tell me where <laughs> Grand Admiral Thrawn is. And all of us were like, yes, please do. When and where do you think, guys, we're going to get that payoff? It ain't going to be in this season. Mm-hmm. Here's here's so. here's here's what's been going on with the Mandalorian. We see Boba Fett in the first chapter of this season. It's like <gasps> Boba Fett, and we haven't seen him. And then yeah, a couple episodes later, <gasps> Bo-Katan, and, and was- she's done. And now we got Ahsoka, <gasps> and I will bet you five dollars that we're done with Ahsoka. Um, and now and where's Thrawn. Grand Admiral Thrawn? And it ain't gonna be in this season. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Maybe I'm wrong. I think the odds are high that we don't see him in this series at all. Um, because I think that he's a part of Ahsoka's story rather than Din's. Um, he was an important part of the Rebels storyline because his initiative uh, within the context of that story was to hunt Rebels and defeat them. Um, he really had no business with the Jedi he basically never has, other than some run-ins with uh, Anakin slash Vader. Um, he has no real story uh, with the Mandalorians in particular either. Um, so all of this would kind of have to be built into the story. You could write him in. It wouldn't be hard to do. Um, but we have no indication that the creators want to do that. All we know... Um, and all we need to know is that Ahsoka is searching for him 
which kind of like plays off of that moment at the end of Rebels. And we're like, okay, we're they're promising that there's going to be some payoff to that. That's awesome, and I'm excited. I just I don't think it would be a part of this series unless she plays a bigger role than we are thinking right now. Okay, but, so to that to that point, yeah. And this is my later bullet point because uh, again, Brittany and I were kind of talking about this, and it was one of my little rants. It's like, uh, you know, I saw some people. Um, Kind of like, you know, Ahsoka didn't need to be in this episode. She was just there to set up her own series. Or, you know, Bo-Katan didn't need to be in there either. It was just to set up her own series. And so I'm, I'm seeing this theme. And it's like, okay, why is it okay for Marvel to do that? But not okay for Star Wars to do that? Because it totally makes sense within the story. Okay, I, we needed a Mandalorian. Why not make it Bo-Katan? So that then, and then we can move on and do her, you know, story in a Disney plus series. Why can't it be Ahsoka? And then we'll talk, we'll give her series over here because it does make sense within the story. Why is it okay for Marvel to do it, but it's not okay for star Wars to do it. I don't know that it isn't. Uh, okay. See, here's the catch is and this goes to, you know, some of the ideas that we talked in past episodes about how we perceive star Wars. We like to think of Star Wars as linearly, sequentially. Episode one, then episode two, then episode then Clone Wars, episode three, Rebels, you know, and so forth and so on. And Dave Filoni has been upfront about he doesn't play that way. As a matter of fact, in that Vanity Fair article that uh, Dave's going to put in the show notes, the last thing he comments on is that mention of Thrawn and how we should not make the presumption to think that this episode of Mandalorian happens after the finale of Rebels because we're seeing it afterwards. You know, it could very well be that this is happening before Ahsoka goes to Lothal, picks up Sabine, and they go off to find Ezra. So just because we perceive it one way does not necessarily mean that the creators see it that way, which again goes to the point of we want it to be one way, but the creative force behind it are getting to the opportunity to play around in the sandbox and go off in wildly different ways. So I think that's a new experience for many Star Wars fans. Whereas in a place like Marvel, which is coming from the comic book world, well, in comic book world, you can go, the time travel stories are dime a dozen. You know, mistaken identities, clones, uh, somebody taking over somebody's body. It's not a big deal. But this so is exactly more comfortable with that. This is exactly what we were talking about, though, a few months ago. This is the this right. is the opportunity that Star Wars has. That I mean, you know, in what was it Iron Man? That there's no reason why Black Widow needs to be, I guess, Iron Man two, right? Right. There's right. no there's no reason why she needs to be in that movie. It could have been anybody. It doesn't need to be Black Widow, but. There's a reason why it's because we're, you know, we want her in Avengers. And so we need to make sure we introduce that character. That's great. That's fine. And so in Star Wars, I think this is absolutely perfect. They can, you know, we're thinking about doing this story on this character. So let's drop it in this popular series in a way that it makes sense. And then we can do an offshoot. That's what we're talking about. I think that grows, you know, all those connections. I think that it, and I, think they're they're doing it just fine i don't know dave what do you think yeah yeah i mean one of the one of the other things feloni said um was i mean we go back to the vanity fair article again but it's it is a must read people um he, he talks about how um if you're they knew the name of grogu 
um, in season one. And so, like, Filoni was sort of presented with this problem. So, like, well, how do you reveal the name? So, like, Mando's never going to figure it out. He's never going to know. Um, so he had to come up with a way for him to learn the name if we're going to ever drop it. And, oh, well, you could learn it through the Force. And who would be a person that could that could do that, who's in tune with the Force in that way? And Ahsoka begins to make sense in that context. And she's here, you know, she's here to basically move the plot forward, to give Din, you know, direction. Uh, you need to go try this. Here's why I can't help you. Um, it makes sense for, you know, the story, what the story needed was a character that she checked all those boxes for. And and so, I, I mean, I, I'm completely in agreement. It made all the sense in the world for her to be here, um, even if the Thrawn moment, <laughs> I think that Thrawn moment probably won't be paid off in this series. But again, they could if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So um, real quick, uh, I do want to talk about um, a little bit of kind of the the aesthetic of this episode um first of all i do want to say that the first third of this reminded me of batman (laughs) yes her going in and out of the shadows and everything it was it was total batman begins you know and and i dug it i thought it was just i thought it was awesome um okay so (laughs) however i put this in our notes We've talked a lot about how everybody's talked forever that Star Wars is a Western. And, you know, I remember the first time I heard that and it was kind of like square peg in not really a round hole. You could get it through. It was like, okay, I see how it's a Western. But it wasn't something that as I was watching as a kid going, oh, this is a Western. Um, We've also then read up on how George Lucas was influenced by Samurai. Um, do you think we're a little bit too on the nose now when we've got in a Japanese style garden, a kendo fight and in the main drag of this small town, a gunfight, do you think we're a bit, you know, too, like I said, before we do just too on the nose here, I don't know. What did, what'd you guys think about that? Was it? Yay, this is really cool, or wow, I mean, I wish it would have been a little bit more subtle. I thought it was fine. Uh, uh, from the sample, I was, I was surprised that they were giving us the two moments at the same time. Because it would have been far easier for them to kind of give us Mando versus Michael Bean and... Yeah, okay, and but, but, here's, but, here's, but here's my point. Here's my point is that there's a there's a really cool piece of software. It's called um, News. It's called Newzella. And you, you, what it does is it takes a, um, a a current events article, so like something from like the New York Times or something like that, and it gives you different different versions of that article based on your reading level, so based on Lexile. So it you know you so if you have different learners, you know the, you can give the full blown article to your you know high achievers and the ones who struggle with reading, you can give the lower Lexile score one. It seems to me that Star Wars Forever has been, there's always been these subtle hints of, you know, samurai and Western samurai. This seemed to be like that low Lexile of, 
this is about samurais and cowboys. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what, it felt. even though I thought it was cool, it just seemed like we we're getting hit over the head. Like, Hey kids, unless you've missed it for the last 40 years, this is what this, this series is about. But was it more cowboy than say the first episode when Mando rides into most? Well, uh, I think, I think, I think the same thing with that episode too. That's what I'm saying is, and maybe not necessarily just talking about this chapter, but all yeah. of them. Are we getting a little bit because in the first series, in the first season, we were like, yeah, this is kind of like Lone Wolf and Cub. And it's it was always this is kind of like it was it wasn't as on the nose as what it's starting to be. I don't know. I'll shut up now. Think, I'll let you guys talk. Oh, I was just gonna say that I I believe that a lot of the reason that you see Filoni and Favreau lean into those familiar tropes is because they know what they've got with that. It's an effective way to tell a story. Um, you talked about the burned out hellscape that he landed in, you know, this burned out forest, which you contrast with this tiny lush green sanctuary in the, you know, the head villain, which the did look like Jabba's palace, by the way, in the background. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, she had her little section of greenery, you know, which is like the contrast is, entirely deliberate it's like this is the the purview of the wealthy they will tear down everything but they will keep that 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 little slice of beauty for themselves and it's like a really effective way to say this lady's an McClunky. um i mean i guess off the mcclunky that i'm sorry but um <laughs> <laughs> um but you know it Throughout the whole episode, I mean, your point's taken, like, the Kurosawa influences, right? Like, somebody, like, posted screen grabs where it was like, this shot is exactly like this other shot, you know, from a Kurosawa film. And it's like, yep, yep, it very much is. Um, but, again, that, that would tell that story of the wandering samurai, which... Um, you talk, Fredo, you talked about how this, this series is a lot like Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. Um I would I would say uh, the adventures of Ahsoka, uh, if we Big get that series, if we get that series, it's going to be even more so that because she actually literally carries swords around with her and uh, you know wields them to dispense justice. So, um, you know those those influences, um, you know the the, the subject subjugated people, you know it's it's familiar, but with that language you can communicate the story very quickly and efficiently that's true you know it's like i know what's and that's, going on and here. that's the thing i you know, i always have to remind myself it's like it, it, there are only eight episodes in a season you know so yeah you do have to you have to do you have to put it in a vehicle that moves fast um and, but again talking about the aesthetics though and i was, I was telling fredo this a couple of days ago and i mentioned it to brit i said this you know this series we all saw those that test footage of the star wars underworld you know and when they're dinking around with maybe doing a star wars tv show the this series could only be done now you know mm -hmm. i think i think about watching you know agents of shield and it was it was i, I liked the the tv series but you know the special effects were okay but it was you know it was obvious that they had limited cash and so what the Mandalorian does is we're just going to do eight episodes and spend our bank 
on making it look like Star Wars. And it's paying off. So, yes, they have to do these things kind of quickly, you know, because they, they've only got eight episodes. Fredo, you are going to say something? No, I was just going to say, but I, and I think that's part. I mean, clearly the samurai movies, the Western movies, they're baked into the DNA alongside with stuff like Flash Gordon serials and a whole bunch of other stuff that all was the, doing the rounds in George Lucas's head and all poured out and became Star Wars. Uh, so they're still kind of leaning into it. I agree 100% with you, Dave. The Ahsoka series would be the Kung Fu, the the hero, the lone wanderer going from town to town, helping the local townspeople, you know, with her mysterious, nobody else knows powers. Yeah, that totally, that'll be the Star Wars Kung Fu. But I think you're missing, you guys are missing my overall point. There's, it's, it's one thing. No. Okay. No, you're, it's like, okay, you see, you know, you see you see the girl that you like and it's like you, you then you you kind of start playing the long game and you start leaving little drops of you know little hints of you know you know just to build that relationship and then you know one thing leads to another stuff like this it seems like now we're just kind of walking up and clubbing them over the head and going you're pretty you know you and me are dating it's it, it, it just forever star wars has been it's like subtle and it, it's just seeming now like it's just blatant is just my point. And I, I still, I dug it. It's just a little, I just think it's just getting a little bit too, um, I don't know. It's getting just a little bit too easy. One of the, one of the things I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about like pulling in from all these different sources and material, um, and we were, we were speaking about the frog lady episode. Uh, I, I love that we got a horror episode. I didn't love it as a parent, but I loved it for me. Um, and, and so, like, to be able to see certain things and influences that you haven't necessarily seen in a Star Wars, or a Star Wars show is exciting. I mean, the Kurosawa stuff, we've the Western stuff we've seen. But, like, I'm sitting in this dual setup. Um between uh the two female characters at the end of the uh at the end of the show and it's i'm like we're in kill bill yeah <laughs> that, that's where we're at right now oh we're in kill bill and something relatively new fresh i mean it, it's not something that we we haven't seen tarantino done in uh star wars before so i was like really excited about that i can't wait until somebody dubs um, you know, that, that scene or with the music, the duel at the end of Kill Bill, I, I'm waiting for um, But even the Michael B uh, duel with Mando, um, yeah, classic Western trope. We're going to try to shoot each other in the face. Um, but I loved the way that it was executed. It was executed in an interesting way. He's trying to talk his way through it. Hey, how about them over there? One of us is going to be the the loser how about we try to strike some kind of a truce and once he figures out his words aren't going to get him anywhere that's when he determines all right i'm going to try to fool him and get the jump on him and, and he can't do it but i, I love that little moment and it wasn't something that i've necessarily seen on film at recently and certainly so uh, uh oh go ahead fredo no i'm just gonna just to kind of finish off i agree with you i mean they are leaning very heavily into those 
uh, inspirations. I also think it's partly borne by what you point out, the short truncated version of the of that this show exists under. They don't have an hour to set up and to do introductions and to build the lore. Like the, the new magistrate, the, the guy who uh, ends up taking over the role that I think is the one character that Mando speaks to in that town. There's like, please don't talk to them because you're going to hurt them. We only get maybe that that's the totality of his, of his lines in that episode, but we get a whole character out of his arc, or whole character arc out of him by his introduction, his interaction with Mando, and at the end when you see the other townspeople putting the magistrate's robes on him. So they're having to be quick and to the point, therefore... They're gonna. It's gonna seem a bit heavy, heavy-handed, unfortunately. By the way, uh, the the female magistrate. Uh, you know who that actress is, right? Mm-hmm. Goddaughter of Bruce Lee. <laughs> so yep. yeah, that was. Uh, anyway, uh, one one other thing I wanted. To, this is my closing thought. Um, because again, criticisms. Obviously, I'm always checking out people's YouTube reactions and listening to other podcasts and things like this. And one of the criticisms I've heard is just like it it seems like you're getting the same basic plot in each episode you know the same beats each time and then you know at the end mando gets okay now go to this planet and see this person now go to this planet see this person now go and and like i said there what i see this is is um kind of like minimalism in music and if you think about a composer like philip glass Philip Glass is not something you're going to put in the um, car on your drive, you know, across country because you're going to, it's, you're going to go nuts or you're going to fall asleep. One of the two, but minimalism, what it does rather than like in, in a, in a symphony, you're given a theme and then we're going to go into another theme and then we're going to go back to that first theme. And then we're going to go back to the second theme. Then we're going to do something different with, with the, both those themes. And then we're going to get, you're going to get a recap at the end. So it's very it's very easy to follow along. Minimalism is more the long game. And it takes the same, it takes this one musical motive and it just kind of plays with it. It's kind of like silly putty. You know, you just, you put it on the comic and then you just slowly start to stretch it. It's still Popeye, but you're just slowly stretching it over and it's a longer stretch of time. And I think that's what's going on here with Mandalorian. That's why I said earlier in the episode, I'm not going to judge an episode until I can see it in the context of the greater eight episode arc, even the greater season one, season two arc, because I find it really interesting that we started, went from what, chapter nine to chapter 10, right? Mm -hmm. You know, from season one to season two. So obviously the writers are seeing this, longer story. And so I, I just, to our listeners, you know, look at the long game. Don't, don't look at the, at the short game here. You know, think about where is it, you know, it's, it, it think like I said, think of that minimalism. We're just taking the same motive. Yeah. And we're just kind of rehashing it a little bit, but it always gets in each iteration. It gets a little bit different and a little bit different, a little bit, but the whole story is going to make more sense. So I guess just be patient is what I'm saying. You guys listen to minimalism, do you? <laughs> On occasion. I mean, it's it's 
you know, it's tough to, to analyze, um, because you have to find where those little things are changing. Um, no, no. Final thoughts on chapter 13. Any other I got points? a like, I got a hodgepodge of a couple of little, a lot of little things. Go for um, it. the magistrate Elspeth, um, possible native of Dathomir, according to Wikipedia. Mm. It may hint at a bigger role slash backstory. They mentioned Tyron. This is the planet that he's getting sent to next. That big can of worms for um, EU modern EU fans. Uh, the old Darth Bane uh, stories. Um, there's a there's a lot that happens there. It's essentially the planet where the Jedi got their start um, in modern canon, and so <laughs> you could, you could go about fifty directions with this planet. It has a really long and rich history, um, and it could you know they could they could do a bunch of new stuff that we've never seen before. But um, there's a there's a whole lot of lore surrounding that particular planet, so. Once he gets there, some some crazy stuff could happen. Um, I love the Mandalorian and a Jedi. They'll never see it coming gag. <laughs> because anybody who's watched uh, enough of this stuff knows it just tends to just keep happening. We keep seeing Mandalorians getting paired off with Jedi. Um, and then finally, this is a little thing. When he, when Din first arrives on the planet, and they make she she offers them the speed, um, and he's got to go hunt in quotations Ahsoka. Um, he tells her about. She says, "I'm the kid," and she starts to walk off. And he's like, "I tell, I'm going to tell her about it." Um, wanted me to hunt you. I didn't agree to anything. Is what he said. Though, right. about hunting her that was his like justification i didn't agree to anything which is interesting because she turns it around on him later because like he she doesn't agree to train grogu yeah even though he suggests that as the bargain he says if you if i help you you'll train him um she doesn't say yes yeah she never says yes we never see that so it's like she kind of flipped that around on him there and i thought that was a nice thing um, and you know, it might be fun to see more of that in the future, but, uh, yeah, those are the, my, my final notes. I love this episode. Um, again, some of the characterization, um, you know, I, I wasn't sold on on first viewing, but it smoothed out for me. I really like it a lot. Um, and I think that it, I think that it works for people who haven't been doing the homework, but I keep hearing from people. I think I need to do the homework now. <laughs> And, and, and that might be, that was the candy to get him in the van, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. a reason for this. Like if we do this, then yeah, they'll all re up their Disney plus, uh, you know, subscriptions and watch all the clone wars and all the rebels, you know, in the off season. Because it's all part of the plan. Fredo. Final thoughts. Uh, in terms of the episode, I enjoyed it a great deal. It feels like a turning point uh, in terms of the story as to uh, as to uh, uh, Din's journey with Baby Yoda, because now there is a not only is there uh, a connection between them, but we it's been stated 
somebody who recognizes what what's going on has told them, look, you two have formed a bond and that's going to create issues for both of you down the road. You know, whereas before there might have been a point where Dan could have parted with Baby Yoda. This episode is making it clear that that's not going to be easy anymore. You know, even if he finds, even if another Jedi, even if, you know, Luke Skywalker turns up to pick up a uh, Grogu, there's no guarantee that Dan's going to part with him at this point. And that's going to both create new challenges for him, particularly in the relation to uh, Moff Gideon, but also in terms of where the story goes forward. Because if if we thought at the end of season two, oh, hey, here you go, hands off. He finds the Jedi and he hands off Baby Yoda and off he goes to keep uh, keep on trucking. That's no longer apparently the case. They have they have crossed some sort of Rubicon in terms of their relationship and they're now tied together. So for all of that, on top of getting Ahsoka and finally bringing all the stuff that blew everybody's minds, I, I enjoyed it a great deal. Yeah, I got a moment, like, well, just now while you were talking, uh, mm-hmm. like, trying to pawn the kid off, and I just, like, flashback to Willow, and I know, Aaron, I don't know if you've seen that yet, you mentioned that you hadn't no, seen No, I haven't Willow, yet, right? not yet. Yeah. Um, homework! Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's the homework, we do, we do a Willow episode soon. Yeah, no, I just, I, I flashback to that, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, he may have second thoughts if he tries to get get rid of this kid. So uh, we don't know the title of the next episode. I did see that the runtime is like right around 32 minutes. And again, people who are kind of freaking out about that, like your average sitcom, you get about 22 minutes after commercials, you know? So, you know, this is actually, that'd be nice if it was an hour long each episode, but I also like how this is all looking and feeling and they're they're not it's not looking cheap so if it means that i have to have that i can only get a 30 minute episode every now and again fine by me you know um so but i don't know have you guys seen anything of what this episode is titled so Um, it'll be interesting to see obviously we've they're being we know they're being tracked by moff gideon um, he now has a spear that is made of Beskar that he can fight Moff Gideon. Um, yeah, so we'll, we shall see. Maybe it's thirty-two minutes of nothing but action. At which point we're going to go back to we're going to go back to Frog Lady, and they're going to go back to that Spider Planet. Um, <laughs> but anyway, all right. Well, cool. That's uh, that's our recap of of Chapter Thirteen. Um, if you, I guess I'll toss it to Dave. Dave, where can people find our podcasts? People listening. Well, if you're listening, you've already found it. Yeah. You have found it, but you have other options. Yeah, uh, the options that you have, if you would like to listen to us, you have, you can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn and Alexa, Amazon Music and Audible, uh, and you can follow us on Twitter and. Which, which, by the way, I said we. I always say that we like to interact with people on social media. And today was one of those days where I was working and I saw my Twitter feed. Um, Varg said, "He said, you know, thinking about the original trilogy." Said, 
I think Chewbacca is the only non-human to kill humans in the original trilogy. And I said, no, nah, I think some Ewoks did some whomping on some stormtroopers. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we actually had and, that brief little uh, you know, connection there. Um, and don't forget the Wampa. Well, he didn't kill any. Oh, that's right. He didn't that kill was any deleted. Humans. So believe me. Oh, well, yeah. Rock- if we're throwing critters into the mix, I know the Rancor ate some people. He did. Well, um, the Rancor, yeah. eat, we just know that the Rancor the ate a pe- Maybe just ate pig guards, you know? So. <laughs> well, you know, Ula, right? He ate her. Yeah, but. The Sarlacc ate some Yeah, too. she's not a human. Yeah. Sarlacc definitely ate some humans. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. anyway, but uh, okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, so we, we will interact with folks. Um, but all right. Well, until then, uh, please. Uh, and if you will, you know, share our podcast with people, other Star Wars nerds that you know, and, uh, and uh, leave us a kind review, if you will. So until next week, we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And McClunky the Falcons. Um, but. Uh, we will see you next week. Bye. My